Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid. If you're looking for a cable and you're looking to give to a good cause, Sinusoid is still selling their Houston Gives cable. Uh, you can go check it out, sinusoid.com slash Houston. Uh, all of the proceeds from that uh, cable go to uh, relief efforts in the wake of Hurricane Harvey, which again, I mean, I, I realize it was a mo- uh, like a month ago, but those cleanups take a long time. Uh, they're, though, they're giving to vetted charitable organizations yeah. that have boots on the ground and basically all you are paying for uh with that well you're paying for a lot of things you're paying like the normal price for cable but all they're going to take from it is the cost of materials they're not even doing cost of labor on it yeah, they're so giving their labor for free labor's free the overhead's free everything else like they're just donating it's a really attractive cable too i've been seeing people post pictures of theirs as they come in we're gonna that's be, right people are already getting we're them. gonna be posting a picture of one yeah when, you when ordered one in. i've got one i've got the 15 footer coming in that uh that silent jack was really um that really sold me oh yeah because uh i'm always like when it's popping when, whenever i'm playing acoustic like i'm always like unplugging uh my acoustic uh-huh so i would like a silent option for that i knew a guy well i know a guy who his big trick was that he knew how to unplug his acoustic in just the right way that where it wouldn't make a noise like he practiced this right but you if should- you don't want to waste a ten thousand hours of your life become training yourself to perfectly unplug an acoustic guitar silent jacks are great <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go check it out. Uh, sinusoid.com. Great cables. Great guys. And smiles. <laughs> and smiles. Great cables. Great guys. And smiles. I like it, Steve. Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Steve, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, playing, reviewing, bricking, and some other stuff podcast. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't even want to comment on it this time. Uh, What's what's new with you, Steve? Um, I got got my Total Recall. Oh, you did? Because you did that trade for, it was like a Mexican strat? Yeah, I traded a Mexican strat for a Total Recall, so I'm now basically... uh, I would say I'm t- about $213 in the hole on that Stratocaster, uh, which means I think I got tons of room to flip on that Tonal Recall. Nice, nice. Once again, proving that the Mexican Strat is basically currency. Also, <laughs> if anybody's interested in a uh, mint condition, never been played, 60 Cycle Hum Pelican Noise Works 50-50. I may or may not have one for sell on Reverb. For sell on reverb? For sell on reverb. Uh, what would the price be on yours for sell uh, for reverb? Mine is currently listed for $449. You know, that's not that crazy anymore. That is a uh, list price. And of course, as we all know, reverb is all about the haggle. So, uh, and didn't someone recently sell theirs off of reverb for 300 I believe somebody did get 300 Somebody else got 200 for theirs. That's crazy. You know what I've realized? Those are both positive. Like yeah. sales, like yeah. positive return on those. So, so I have two thoughts on this. The first one is: Do we get more made? Is um, or do we? Does everyone who bought the their first run just? Do we wait till they all sell it? Uh, yeah. Uh, so my first thought is that um, when we get the second run, because I think the plan is to just 
pre like that we're just going to pre pre order them all and sell them one by one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, instead of doing like a like basically we're going to front it versus what we did last time, which was a pre order. Um, and uh, so my thought is that when we get them, we should just list them all on Reverb at like n- a no offer, like the standard list price. Oh. In turn, like until all of those units are gone, it screws everybody who wanted to flip but didn't. But if we do that, then Reverb gets their cut. Where if we just sold direct, that's true. So we're gonna have to go figure out what Reverb's cut is and and increase just up our, it up up our price up by it. up at four dollars four percent or whatever. <laughs> The uh, the second thought I had is we've told all of the inner circle guys who got theirs uh, for like a lower price uh, perks of the, being in the inner circle that they only get the lower price once. So if they flip it, they got to buy their second one at like whatever price they can find theirs at. But now I was thinking about how I didn't buy my first one. Oh, Steve. So I still ha- can use the inner circle oh, price Steve. one time. You're trying to bend the rules as a host? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you bought yours with your effort into the show. That's Steve. true. That's that true. Was, that was your 190 purchase. episodes. <laughs> that is at least like 300 hours of podcasting. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Ridiculous. You're, you're not you're, you're nowhere near close 10,000 hours. So we're not perfect at this yet. <laughs> Perfect. You ever think? You ever think I put about the wrong like, emphasis on? I put too much emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yep. I think we may have talked about this like back around episode one sixty. That literally, like, you could listen to just this podcast for a week straight. Yeah, that's crazy. Which, when you think about like the bigger name podcasts, like people on large networks who have you know tens of thousands of followers, uh-huh. like tens of thousands of sub- hundreds of thousands of subscribers, some of these. Um, it doesn't really seem like that big. Like, was it uh, how stuff works? I think has like 800 episodes. Yeah, that's like crazy. their back catalog is just insane. They've been doing it um, for decades now, though, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> but for like a couple of guys who barely know anything, who set up in a garage uh, in a, a suburb of a minor city in the major country, <laughs> uh, you know. I don't know where I'm going with this. I have no idea where you're going with it. I don't think of San Diego as a minor city. We're San, we're San Diego is America's greatest city, isn't it? It's America's finest Finest! City. Which America's one is the greatest? <laughs> I don't know. We're the fine ones, though. She's so fine. We're just fine. Uh, this is the part of the show where you yeah, ask right. me what's, what's new. What's new with you? I'm back from vacation. Welcome back. Welcome you back. You look so pink. I'm a little pinker, I think. I got a lot of sun. I was in the ocean. Multiple times a day, every day, snorkeling around, chasing fish. I feel like I would. I don't. I don't. I don't think I love the ocean enough to enjoy Hawaii in that way. Right. Right. I was thinking about that as we were driving around our last day, like looking at everything that was around there. I was like, I wonder what families that don't like to swim do when they come. Here. I, I think I could like just hike like crazy. In oh Hawaii. yeah, there's a lot of great hiking. Um, but I don't. I think I would be like, I think I could go in the water. Like, you know, it's not like I would avoid it. I wouldn't not go in the water, but sure. I think I'd be so like, okay, I did my swim for the day. Let's go do something that doesn't involve water. Now. <laughs> we got our condos so freaking sandy because we were constantly <laughs> in and out of the beach. We were like a good, like five minute hike away from the beach. Right. So seriously, like my everyday schedule was 
when my kid would wake up, I'd go grab him and take him down to the beach, and we'd go swim around for an hour, right. waiting for my wife to get her sleep, come back, make breakfast, then we'd go like snorkeling as a family. Like my my parents and my siblings are all with us too. Right. So like right. there's like seven adults and a toddler on this trip. Then we all go snorkeling as a family. Then we get lunch somewhere. Uh, then we, you know, go explore somewhere, probably end up snorkeling again. And then we would go like wrap up at the pool. Oh, <laughs> and then we'd, uh, you know, go get dinner. And then some nights we'd go and like swim during the sunset, <laughs> like literally three or four times right. in and out of the water. Completely ridiculous. Surprisingly, no one got really bad sunburns. We all just got, you know, a little sun kissed here. And right. There. But uh, to get it back on topic of the subject of our show, I did go. Geography. I did scope out some musical instruments while I was there. Okay. Well, first of all, I arranged over Craigslist to sell a pedal there. Did you actually do it? So the guy was in contact with me the day before I flew to Hawaii. Oh, okay. Then I land, and he was all enthusiastic. He was stoked. He's ready to go. Sounded like he had money in hand. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, write me when you when you get there on Tuesday." So the day that I landed on Tuesday, I wrote him like, hey, I've got it. Let me know when and where you want to meet up. And it was just radio silence. The guy completely oh, disappeared on me. So I had a, a, a memory man with Hazari with me the whole trip <laughs> and just brought it back with me. <laughs> it was pretty much a bummer, but, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, and then also I went and checked out a ukulele shop. They have a, a brand of ukuleles there called uh, Melee. That's how it's pronounced, I think. M-E-L-E. And uh, it's made there on Maui. Uh, It's like a guy and like his sons or something like that make it. Or his his kids make it in their garage. But they've got a couple shops and then they export them out of there. Uh, But the guy in the shop like was going hard sale on me. The store was located in like a really high-end mall in like a really super touristy area, like a golf course area of Maui. So I walk in and the guy just starts doing the hard sales speech on me. And I was like, whoa, whoa, take it easy, cowboy. I'm one of you. I'm Yikes. A, I'm a, you know, I'm a player. I play guitar. I'm, a, I'm are you, somewhat familiar with ukulele. Are you a player or do you just crush a lot? I crush a lot of ukuleles. Also, <laughs> no, that's not true at all. I have two ukuleles and I haven't crushed any of them. Um, but anyways, I, I beeline to the back of the shop where they had a bunch of their like import line which is all like the $300, $400 ones that have kind of like quirky things going on. Right. Because I was like, oh, those look funky. I want to try those out. Like they had a cigar box shaped one with a resonator cone in it. I was like, I got to try a resonator ukulele. That looks fun. And then there was one uh, that was a banjo lele. So I was playing around with that. And the guy was like, I can't have him playing around with these cheap imported ones. I'm going to school him on these expensive ones. So he grabs one off the wall and here he's like, here, check this out. This one is like same construction as those like five thousand dollar ones there on the wall, but those ones are made out of like you know super top grade koa wood, like mega flamed or whatever. This one's made out of mango wood, same construction, different wood. This one's only six hundred dollars. I'm like, yeah, that's already outside my budget. Like, <laughs> I, I have like a two hundred dollar budget for ukuleles right now. Uh, so, but it got really interesting because he was showing me various ukuleles that were the exact same build, right? But different woods. He had like a mango one, he had a koa one, and I forget the other one. 
but it was all just showing me like different like tonal responses in the wood. Like the mango one was really mellow and almost guitar like, and the color one was just super super bright, and the other one was kind of like in between. I don't. I wish I remember what wood that was. Is it ma- He's got mahogany. I it might be mahog- website. They're talking about koa, mango, and mahogany. It was probably mahogany then. Uh, but they were great ukuleles. If I Well, here, here's the other thing. This guy, the whole time he's showing them to me, he grabs a ukulele. He plays with it. It's just incredible. Then he hands it to me, and I just fumble around with it because right. I'm not like a dedicated ukulele player. And the more I'm watching him play, the more my heart is sinking, and I'm like, I am not qualified to spend any more money on ukuleles right oh, now. Because <laughs> it's like a completely different musical discipline. And I'm, you know, it's like when a guitarist picks up a bass, you can tell that it's a guitarist playing bass. Yeah. I'm definitely a guitarist playing ukulele. And I walked out of there like, yeah, uh, until you get better with the ukuleles you have, Ryan, you really don't deserve to spend any more money on this instrument. No, you need to spend more money because then you'll be, then it will force you to be like, oh, yeah, I spent, it, all, invest I spent in all it. this money. I better actually get good. Yeah, but uh, the uh, all the ukuleles there were really nice. I was having a great time playing around with them. Uh, there's so many variations. Like you think of ukuleles, right? Oh, a little four string guitar type thing. They had. Yeah. They have six-string ukuleles, which aren't – they're not oriented the way you think. They wouldn't be like a little guitar lele. It's like a four-string orientation, but two of them have doubled strings, like a, oh, like a 12-string. Like it's a whole like class of them. And they have eight-string ukuleles, and they have – they do have guitar leles, and they have you know all these different sizes, soprano, tenor, baritone, right. all this stuff. It's crazy. There's so much variation just within that one instrument. And it's not like – with guitar, it's like, oh, okay, you have baritone guitars every now and then. You have 12-string guitars every now and then. They're mixed in there. But with ukulele, it's like it's all over the map. There are like people buy across the uh, the lines like, yeah. all the time. It's crazy. So it was, it was pretty neat to go check out a full ukulele shop for sure in Hawaii, like see the whole thing. In an in a ultra-premium tourist mall. Yeah, ultra-premium tourist mall. Like this is a place that has, you know, like – like that crystal place. What is it? Savarsky? Sawarsky? How do you pronounce that? I should know. Yeah, I can't I, think of it. Like every, I think it's Sawarsky. Every shop they had there was like super high end, and then they've got this ukulele right. shop tucked in the back. Tilly's. <laughs> Marshall. ABC store. <laughs> have you ever seen an ABC store? No, what is that? It's, a, it's like a tourist uh, shop. There they sell like whatever local candy and whatever goods oh, weird. and like tourist shirts and you know then the, is that where it's kind of like stop to get all the, the load up on their uh, Hawaii macadamia chocolate yeah exactly exactly every like and all the novelty novelty shirts you know stuffed animals holding a little that, sign that says that, that, uh, the location of whatever you are the Hawaii macadamia you know that one cracks me up that one's my favorite because that's what like every person coming back from Hawaii brings yeah. It's like this, and it's, you know, it's all the same brand. It's not just like, oh, like macadamia nut chocolate is the thing to bring home. It's always the same box. It's the same manufacturer, and they sell that crap at World Market. Yeah, yeah, you can get so it like, anywhere. So they like, sell it at Costco here. Oh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. But sure, no, why not? Like, it's not, a, there's like two or three brands, but they're all the same. They all sure, taste the same. Sure, but it's just funny to me how it, they, it's always the same brand that like people bring. It's like, I'm going to go to World Market and buy like three boxes of it and bring it into work and be like, yeah, guys, I went to Hawaii over the weekend. I brought you, <laughs> I brought you guys some chocolate. 
Yeah, I don't know. I why it's that good. Was a thing. It's a it's a fun dessert. It's it's yummy. It's a great way to get calories in your body. But I I didn't buy any this time. You know, it's a great way to get calories in your body. I ate like five pineapples. I think Coors. Yeah, I'm watching you drink that Coors. You just poured it over ice, Steve. What are you doing? Destroying my life. Yeah, that's like the craziest thing I've ever so, seen anyone do. Okay, so here's what's going on: is um, I poured uh, rum water basically. Uh-huh. Plus ice and then r- rum and water, just because it's that garbage Kings Bay stuff. You yeah, know? so I got to smooth that out with some water. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this course is getting a little warm. I've got this glass of ice and like residual rum. That sounds like a party in a glass. You're ruining yourself, Steve. You're gonna get sick. <laughs> this is not the way this you is drink. All pro. I don't know. I don't think that's professional at all. <laughs> <laughs> Steve thinks it's professional. Let me show you. Water, ice, and rum. No, rum. <laughs> water, ice, rum, and Coors. What are you doing to yourself, Steve? <laughs> I'm working on my mixology license. Mixology? That is not mixology. <laughs> license this. You just got it. If you were taking a mixology class, you just got an F. <laughs> he rolled into mixology class first day. Like, show us what you know. Make us a cocktail right now. I'll uh, put some water and some ice and some rum. And that's when like the professor's like, hmm, interesting. Where's he going with this? And I'll pour a third of a Coors in there. <laughs> the professor's like, get out. Get out of my class. <laughs> <laughs> you don't belong to be here. You, no. don't be- you don't belong here. The ice and temperature just makes this taste like Alka-Seltzer. Oh, gosh. It's going to have the reverse effects of Alka-Seltzer, Steve. That's not going to make your tummy feel better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the I got to try, try this. What did you do? It does taste like Alka-Seltzer. That is bizarre. You just made an Alka-Seltzer cocktail. Telling you, man. Okay. The mixology professor is going to be like, once he tastes it, he's going to be like, well, damn. You've d- you've done it. You've cracked the code. We've been trying to make an Alka-Seltzer like, flavored cocktail forever. He's going to write F. And then he's, he's going to draw the gonna, leg. He's going to take a drink. And then he's not going to draw the leg. He's gonna, uh, it's going to be as I'm walking out the door. And he's, he's going to take the drink. And he, like everyone in the class is going to be watching him. And he's just shaking his head. He takes a drink and then his eyes get real big. And then he looks up and goes, sir, sir, come back. And then I walk back down. And he goes, and he says to me, I'm not fit to teach this class. <laughs> the student has become the master. Here are my notes. Proceed. <laughs> Professor. <laughs> he sits in the back of the class. <laughs> he sits in the front of the class because he wants to learn from the master. <laughs> well, I think we have our first signature 60 cycle hum cocktail. <laughs> if you're taking notes, I, water, ice, here, the here. cheapest rum in a plastic bottle you can find, and a third of a Coors. Yeah. Well, first you, the, it, you, you put the rum in water and then you drink almost all of it. And then you drink most of the cores. Then you pour the cores on top of the ice water what rum mixer. Gonna, okay, here's a here's the contest. Name this cocktail for us in the group. How many people have stopped listening? All right, <laughs> this first ad is uh, sent to us by um, uh, Ad Zant Michael Van Zant Zant. Them sure, why not? Our the first ad. Of, of about 600 ads, I think, that he sent yeah, us. Yeah, I'm on vacation. I'm checking my email once a day. 
the inbox is completely full of ads from this dude. From Michael Anzant just flooding us with ads. I kind of feel like I lucked out because by the time I got around to screenshotting everything, like by the time I had time to do it at work, uh, like a third of the ads had expired. Oh, really? Bummer. <laughs> yes and no. Sure. It saved me like 20 minutes. Well, also, also like, let's be honest, the really good ads that make it on the show, they don't sell. They don't go down. They stay That's up. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Well, and I think a few of them had been renewed, and I just didn't realize that they were sent twice. Sure. But this one I really loved. Custom Fender P-Bass with tremolo. For sale, for sale is a Fender Squire anniversary model with a tremolo. It has P&J pickups and a one-and-a-half-inch wide nut neck, which is the same as a jazz bass. Bass is flawless. When I played it, I had a maple fretless neck on it. Beauty and function. Imagine a fretless bass with a tremolo. Has flat wounds on it because of the other neck, but will change out to round if you desire. Tremolo is styled after a Stratocaster. Don't judge the Squire until you've seen it. It's a really nice bass. So this guy's asking 500, which is kind of crazy. It is a little crazy, but uh, there was some work put into this. Um, go, go ahead. What, what do you have to say? You're the bassist. I want to try this because it's so weird. I have so many questions about tuning stability. Well, doesn't Les Claypool have a bass with a trim on it? I don't know. Probably. He's weird. He is weird. And it's, it is fretless as well. So this guy is probably a big Claypool fan. Um, but I don't think this one that he's selling is actually fretless. I think he was saying the maple neck. Yeah, he had fretless. a different neck on it. But like, think about that. You're already playing a fretless bass you can, where you can get as warbly on the notes as you want. You can slide around all you want. And then you throw a tremolo into the mix. Yeah, Claypool does have a trem. It looks like it's a Caller style yeah. uh, trem. Um, I mean, this could be great. I took a picture. The screen grab I caught was a body. So, um, But there is, like, if you zoom in on the last yeah, picture. I've got the ad up here on my phone if you want to look at it. Uh, you can see, one, like, the trem. I, is it... I, uh, you can do it, Steve. The first question, the cocktails. I, the first you. question I have is: Is this a thing you can just buy? The 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 trim? Yeah. Oh yeah. I've never even thought to look for it. Well, that's because you're a normal person, Steve. Yes. <laughs> um, I will say, like, so th- he said this is an anniversary model body. It looks really good. It does um, look. It looks really because sharp. a lot of the times squires I've seen in in burst. I mean, it, this is very obviously like a multi piece body. Um, but it looks like it might only be like three or four pieces. No, when I when I saw the picture, I was like, that looks like the grain from like a Squire guitar. It doesn't look like a premium grain. But, but what know. I mean is like, so I'm looking at this one picture and I'm only really seeing three distinct pieces. Yeah, and, I see what and you I, mean. And I've seen, like, I've seen American bursts w- that were three-piece bodies, older ones. Yeah, yeah. So that's actually pretty cool. Uh, normally with Squires, they're... I don't want to say normally squires, but like at least the early Mexicans, like '90s Mexican uh, bursts, they they're not translucent. Yeah, they're like full spray, uh, opaque, so you can't tell how many piece bodies they are. Like I think yeah. I want to say that's how Adams is. Like I don't the think, one that he sold. Does he did he sell it? Yeah, I think he sold it. Oh, didn't yeah. he? Um, Mexican strap. Sure, why not? Um, this is an Indonesian neck, so it's not bad. The craziest part of this is the uh, actual trim unit itself. I'm looking at the springs. 
these springs aren't like Strat springs. They're like Mustang springs. Like they're extra thick. Yeah, super beefy looking. I'm I'm betting those came with the trim kit. Like that's just what you need for a yeah. base trim. So I mean, if they hold tune, um, again, like I don't I don't know. I, I this is this is usually we talk about things that have been upgraded in air quotes, and usually they land on a lateral move a lateral right, investment yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's like okay you've replaced parts that were worth close to what you put in so right. it's like doesn't That's matter the thing is, normally it's a replacement this is a complete modification putting in something that literally wasn't there before there was a, a standard bridge there before but to install this required woodworking required some major routing and yeah. it was all it looks like it was done very cleanly so all of that all of what we've discussed in mind all of that in mind this guy's asking five hundred. I still don't think I would go above two fifty. Really? Yeah. What's the What's the street value for these without the modifications, like stock? One twenty five to one seventy five. Is it really? Yeah. Like I he, feel like I would give him room around up to three twenty five, three fifty. I mean, he's saying it's an anniversary model, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like, he he. The pro- Squire twenty. Like what? What? It, like this is one of the for this time and this finish is like a nicer setup. Um, but like I bought one of these in uh, this same model, not the 20th anniversary, but the same model PJ um, in the sparkle black finish. Mm-hmm. And I bought it cheap enough that I flipped it for like a very modest flip, but I definitely did not lose money on it. And I think I got a free guitar stand out of it. So, I mean, 500 is really high in my opinion. Well, the, uh, just because it's so weird. Yeah. The, where modifications like this come from psychologically, I think, is you want to do something to a guitar, but then you can't bring yourself to do the weird thing to like a nice guitar, like right. like your eight hundred dollar, like your twelve hundred dollar, whatever. And she's like, "I'll try it out on this cheap guitar that I found." And so you sink, you know, like a hundred and fifty dollars worth on the part, and then like two hundred dollars at a, a custom shop having someone do it professionally. Yeah. So you, you sink, you know, 300 something dollars into the modification on a $150 guitar so that you avoid screwing up your nice guitar, but then you're really just like throwing money off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say if this modification was done on a, you know, a Mexican, uh, I think it's the deluxe P that has the PJ configuration. And normally sells for like three fifty to four twenty five ish on the used market, um, or any like Mexican, you know, base that normally sells like three to three fifty. This bridge, I'm not. I search for base tremolo, and I'm not seeing anything that looks like it. Yeah, I I don't know. I've, I've never because it looks never squarely like a Fender style bridge. Right, right. I'm not seeing anything else without styling. I'm wondering where he got it because I wanted to get a beat on the price for it. Oh, just for the part? Yeah. I have no idea. Um, I bet he got it somewhere funky. But yeah, like I, I said, it. if this was on like a, a Mexican Fender base, I would I would at least understand the price. Sure. But trying to take a 150-ish dollar base and tacking on $350, which very well could have been the cost of parts and labor. Oh, totally. Um, well, parts and labor aren't really worth anything. They're worth it when you're buying it the first time. Sure. I mean, but I, they, they don't, especially like labor, like I don't think labor is transferable. 
that's, that's a tough concept to tackle. It really depends on what's going on, you it, know. If I if I buy a well, yeah. So I, I like mean, in I the guess, case of that Katrina guitar that we talked about. In that case, the labor was transferable because it it transformed the guitar from unplayable to playable. Sure, sure. The guitar uh, was worthless. The labor but it, but made it, it worth but something. It, what's in that case? You're taking something that what had value and then lost value, returning and the value, returning value. Yeah, it does. You can't say like, well, this guitar was a thousand dollars, and then. I had nine hundred dollars in repair work done to it, so it's now worth nineteen hundred. No, it's right, just right, right. I know what you mean. You got it back to like square one. Yeah, I still can't find this model of bridge. Interesting. I don't know what to it's, tell you, man. I'd love to play this bass, not for five hundred. <laughs> three hundred. I think three hundred is is where I'm sitting on this thing. I, th- I think that's a good, I think that's a fair curiosity price where someone who's curious about it would be like, yeah, I'll, all right, I'll, I'll all pull right. the trigger on that instead of you know paying to have one done myself, which still makes it two hundred dollars overpriced. I mean, sure, the guy's gonna have a tough time selling this unless there's someone who really wants this specific thing and is not prepared to haggle, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have any other thoughts on it. I'm really interested in the concept. If I found one of these in stores, and maybe I could be convinced that this is a thing that I should do to a base that I own. It's a, actually. I could see you having fun with this sort of concept because you like to get kind of crazy every now and then on your base. Like you do funky stuff. Well, like you said, like I kind of just do that. Like you can, I do what I can from just uh, sure from the hand, just from the hand. All right, just do we want to move hand. on? Sure, let's And talk a moving. topic. Wait, what? What, Steve? What'd you find? Um, apparently, Hipshot makes a full floating bass tremolo. Show me a picture. I'm look- I haven't looked it up yet. Um, Does that mean... Because uh, I was thinking about like the classic four. Um, oh, that's... Okay, that's a... This is this is excellent. This is flying off right the here. rails. It's similar to a crazy train. Yeah, not exactly like a kind a of train. like a kind of like a crazy. Ah, uh, hip shot. Your site doesn't work on my phone. All right, let's keep moving. Ryan, you got something when you're on vacation that everyone wants to hear about? Yeah. Uh, so I ordered that Epiphone SL months ago. Right yeah. after right after Summer Nam. True. The video that I did at Summer Nam took off like wildfire, so I, I pre ordered one. Mm-hmm. Uh just so that I could mine it for more <laughs> YouTube views. Yeah. <laughs> because it was seriously like the biggest thing that's ever happened to us on YouTube. So it finally arrived, but it arrived the day before I got back from vacation. So we were having our neighbor take care of the house. And I got the the shipping notification, and we texted the neighbor. I was like, "Could you please like keep your eye out for this? And if like FedEx is hanging around, waiting for someone to sign for it, could you go sign for it?" <laughs> so, oh, I don't, what a signature! I don't know if they had the neighbor sign for it, but they definitely got the guitar in the house for us. So, uh, it like I said, it arrived the day before I got back. I took the red eye flight out of Maui. Just so you could get to your guitar sooner. 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, we changed all our plans around it. No, that was the plans already. Flew out of Maui at 11 o'clock at night. Um, Landed in San Diego 10 o'clock in the morning because we had a layover. Buzzed home, unpacked, 
I fell asleep on the couch for about an hour and a half to like catch up for the sleep that I didn't get on the plane because I cannot sleep on plane. So I was up for, you know, basically a day and a half. Right. Then immediately go and do an unboxing video that I still don't fully remember doing because I was pretty like out of it. And it's a kind of a loose video and I probably would have done things in it differently and covered the guitar a little bit more thoroughly. But I'm going to do a lot more videos for it. So who cares, right? But uh, it's here, so we can talk about it. Let me go grab this thing real quick. Yeah, um, I got to mess around with it earlier. Um, your wife's insight on it, I thought, was interesting, which was, why is the neck the same color as the body? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got the painted neck and uh, headstock. I think it looks really classy. It's the same color as my shorts right now. <laughs> it is. I have these turquoise shorts. You I should wear those when it, in one of the videos you made. Well, I need a shirt to match. <laughs> Just turquoise head to toe? Yeah, everything turquoise. I think I might have a shirt that's pretty close to that. It's also a little see-through now. It's been washed a lot. Sexy. Yeah. So out of the box, this thing was interesting. The strings were completely slack on it, which okay. I understand for shipping purposes, you know. Right. Uh, it's probably a little better for it. So then I start to tune it up and try to play it. And the strings are just binding in the nut. The tuning uh. pegs were what I reported from NAM, where it's like they feel cheap and jumpy, but like, it's hard to tell because I'm at NAM. Right. Uh, and then the strings on it were just awful. Like mm-hmm. really terrible strings that came on this thing. Have you ever used GFS strings? Like yeah. boomers? Uh, GHS, you mean? GHS makes the boomers. But GHS. Like real what did I say? GFS. Oh, that's guitar fetish. Oh, no, GHS. G- I'm thinking GHS rockets. Have you ever used those? <laughs> I've never used those. So those always have a really dry feel to me, like really abrasive. Mm-hmm. The strings that came stuck on this were even drier feeling Ooh. than this. Like it felt like they were sucking moisture out of my fingers somehow, which doesn't make any damn sense. So I unboxed this thing yesterday. Today, after getting back from uh, doing uh, band practice and doing some other stuff, I come home and immediately change the strings and then start messing with the uh, the action on it because the action was pretty high. Um, and then I graphited the neck, the nut as well. I put graphite on the nut with right. just a pencil, just a mechanical pencil, you know. And I feel like it's holding tune a little bit better now, and the strings feel way better, and the action's way better, too. Did you say... Sorry, I I was doing some important social media work. Of course. Um, Do you say you replace the strings, same strings? I replaced the strings completely, because I hated the... What did you replace them with? I put put gear supply strings on there. Uh, I saw someone... Well, there you go. I saw someone online say that... Uh, they went to a lighter gauge. They claimed that these came, the SLs come with 10s on them, and they put 9s on, and they said it fixed some issues. I order Gear Supply 11s because that's yeah. just what I like, uh, and they feel rel- relatively slick to me. I like the feel of them. I've always been a big fan of um, of the Dean Markley Blue Steels, right? and these feel relatively similar to, the, to those, the same kind of like flavor of string, I guess I'd mm-hmm. say. Um, so this is just the, the string I've been using on everything for a long time now. Uh, but that immediately helped the feel of it. Get rid of that dry feeling. It was so dry that like, if I 
rubbed my finger along one of the unwound strings like I'm doing right now, yeah. it would be an audible squeak right now. Weird. Like, it sounded like nails on a chalkboard. Just my finger moving across it. You can't hear on the show, but Steve is watching me yeah. run my finger up and down the strings, and there's no sound. But it was like... Right. That's I wish really I'd recorded weird. it. It was really bizarre. No, do you think you could have just gone... Because I know you use what, like the... I've got the, that almond stick. Almond stick. Do you think I could you could have thrown that on and it would have resolved those issues? I could have, but I would rather, for video purpose, purposes and review purposes, uh, just throw new strings on there right, and be right. like, this is what I'm using I, I and think, it's not I think modified. That's fair. I, think it, I think that's fair and I think it, you know, anytime... Anytime you buy something off the shelf or whatever, like sometimes the strings are what you want and sometimes they aren't. Um, But like it's entirely possible that like other people are getting these guitars and that's the kind of string they're used to. Oh, it's it's totally possible. Yeah. I just couldn't handle it. It was driving me nuts. Uh, Another thing. uh, If you look at at the, the higher frets, there's some kind of gunk on them. I would notice. I was noticing that as I was changing the strings, and I didn't clean it off because, like, I'll just leave it as it is in case I want to photograph that later. That's really weird. It's it, to me, it looks like maybe it's gunk left over from the polish that should have been wiped off by the polisher, and it just sat there and got crusty. So there is a little bit of a f- like fit and finish issue just on there, and it'll wipe off just fine, I'm sure. Yeah, as it, I get a rag on there. I mean, I wouldn't wait too long because honestly. I'm looking at some of them, and it almost looks like it's already like uh, going patina on. on I'm the, fine with that too. Like it's kind of getting like it, like it kind of looks green. Yeah, it's well. That's why I think it's the polish because like old polish will kind of get green because there's metal in it, you know. Or metal gets into it from polishing things. What do you think of the fretwork on it, like? Just the the immediate feel. I mean, uh, I was playing around with this guitar earlier, and my only real complaint with it is that the action isn't is it probably isn't. Did you mess with the action? At I all? made it lower, um, but it's not like I didn't spend a ton of time tweaking it. I just made it like I gave the the posts on the bridge like three turns to lower. It was really high before. So I think it's actually it's set up really closely right now to that Les Paul Junior that I sold a few months ago. Um, and the issue that you're probably going to run into is you're probably really close to the point where you can't lower the posts any further. Yeah, they're going to buzz out without. I'm getting trying, a little buzz there. Yeah, without like the trying 17th. to mess with the truss, and even then, it's going to be like it's going to be finding that point counterpoint. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of a hiss on the 17th, but that's this, still workable for me. I would say like this guitar feels solid from like the seventh fret to the nut and above the seventh fret it starts feeling high to me but yeah that's that's about right uh is this guitar feels like you know your budget epiphone that we've seen on the market forever that usually comes with a single humbucker or with a p90 set in it it has that exact same feel it just happens to be a different color and it happens to have single coil pickups in it yeah uh how does it sound I think the neck pickup sounds really nice mm-hmm. and huge and throaty. Uh, and it, I haven't been able to compare it to another guitar yet, like side by side. But right. the bridge pickup in comparison to the neck pickup is really thin and really bright hmm. sounding, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Do you think thing. it's a height issue? It might be. Because the, the neck pickup is 
visually it looks a little closer. I can back the neck off a lot probably right. and balance them out, but it is still have this bass tonality of the bridge pickup. I'm really going to have to spend some time with it and see what kind of music it lends to, what kind mm-hmm. of effects it likes. I'm going to do a bunch of videos with I it, obviously. I think it's going to lend itself to Garage Rock. Oh, totally. The only uh, effect it will lend itself to is a Dunlop Crybaby Wah and a Boss MT2. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, and a DS1. <laughs> well, that was my other thought. The, the pickup on the bridge is so kind of bright and crispy that this is probably a perfect uh, pop-punk guitar. Like just throw a bunch of distortion on there, do your palm muting, you know, do some little licks every here, every now and then, you know. It's, the guitar that launched a thousand pop punk bands, right? It's a Blink One Eighty Two guitar, you know, whatever, or, or a uh, it's a budget Green Day guitar, right? They're big, they're big again. Are they big again? They're popular. They have a song on the radio right now. I don't huh. know if that makes them big, but they do have a song on the radio right now. So. I think the fretwork on it is decent. It's not super sharp. It's not, you know, super smooth. For a $99 guitar, I'm impressed with the fretwork. Mm-hmm. But uh, otherwise, as a $99 guitar, right now my impression is, like, it is, it's what we said. It's uh, your typical super cheap Epiphone. Right, there's nothing. Right. There's nothing new here in the feel and the playability. It's, so, it's just a new aesthetic. So would you, well, I guess the question would be, who would you, who would you recommend this to? Who would you say, like, who would you not recommend this to? So a lot of comments people make on this that I've seen online, like the gear page and places like that is like, oh, that's just a starter guitar for, you know, teenagers. Mm-hmm. And they'll say worse things than that, that I'm not going to re- repeat. But anyways, you, most of those comments are personal. <laughs> In, anyways, I don't think I would recommend this as a starter guitar. Really, this is a guitar that you buy that someone who you know wants to do some tweaking and wants to have a project should buy. There's a I've been thinking about this concept ever since getting this one and getting uh, some other like budget guitars in and around. Uh huh. Um, there's just a barrier for someone who's beginning if they get this guitar. There's a setup barrier. Sure. There's a difficulty of playing barrier if you don't know how to do a setup that a beginner shouldn't have to deal with in our modern age when you can spend 50 more dollars, right. 100 more dollars, and get a guitar that won't have those issues and will be a much better launching pad into playing guitar for the rest of your life here you go guys you heard it here first epiphone sl sucks (laughs) well it doesn't suck i'll say i'll i'll counter myself by saying i don't think it sucks it's still a 100 guitar that is playable Uh and makes sound and its biggest feature in my opinion is it looks cool? I think its biggest feature is its uh, is the body. It looks really cool. The feet, the body is the biggest part of this guitar. Yeah. It depends on if you're if you're measuring mass or if you're measuring length. Oh, I was measuring mass. Okay, yeah, it's, it's definitely got more mass than the, than the neck, which is the runner up for the yeah. biggest feature of this guitar. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the looks go a long way with this guitar. For a hundred bucks, I have a feeling we're going to see this in the backgrounds of a lot of stock photos of right. like, photographers dressing sets with guitars that they right. buy for cheap, you know. And uh, you know, hanging, I, I, so, we're going to see these hanging on man caves, man cave walls. We're going to see restaurants putting their their sticker on it and hanging it, oh, you Lord. know, like in TGI Fridays or whatever. Gross. 
But they have a cool look. They have like a retro vibe. They are a playable guitar. Yeah. They're not a shredding guitar, but they're a playable guitar. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the my initial impressions on this is it reminded me a lot of the Epiphone Les Paul Jr. I had, mm-hmm. uh, which I sold because it was like, it was okay. It was just the okayest guitar. Yeah. It's probably the okayest guitar that I've ever owned. <laughs> I mean, so I sold it. The counterpoint, I'm saying like, oh, there's better guitars out there. The counterpoint, the, that Mustang, $150 right. new. It only comes in two colors, which are boring, but that thing... Black and blue? It comes in black and blue. Gross. Um, Yeah. That thing is a secret shredder. That thing plays great. The pickups sound really good. I'm considering not swapping them at all right now. All the hardware on it is fine. The tuners are fine. Uh, so that's, that's a guitar you could get other than this. If you're looking for playing guitar and you're like in that budget window. Also that Dean custom zone, which is, you can pick those up for $80 right. off of eBay and stuff you like that. Is that about your pink guitar? Yeah. The pink guitar, okay. but you can get those in various colors. I think that's a great playing guitar. If you're looking only for playability, like that's a great guitar option right. in right. comparison to this. But then those guitars don't have the visual appeal that this $99 Epiphone does where you've got this, you've got some really fun colors mm-hmm. and you have a really fun pick guard and you've got the single coils. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough argument to make for or against this thing. It has some function. It has some features. It has a cool look, but then there's some, you know, there's some issues to overcome with it. Right. That's my piece, anyways. All right, cool. Watch all the videos, guys. <laughs> all of them. I'm going to put this back on the rack. Multiple times. All right, we're going to keep moving. we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Uh, this is a Telecaster-loaded body, also sent to us by Adzant. Nice ash body, one and three-quarter inch, five pound, two Alneco, 7.65 ohm pickups, uh, 57 style, handmade copper guards for controls. Uh, standard neck pocket, a- any fender neck will fit. Questions just call. It says this is a lo- Telecaster loaded body, but it seems to be missing some parts. Uh, yeah. What What's the normal weight for a Telecaster body, you think? I don't know. I would have. I mean, five plus pounds is probably fine. That's that's pretty light in my, gu- in my, in my guesstimation I've here. I've never weighed one. This, my this Telecaster guitar, is super heavy. That's all I can tell you. This guitar is missing wood. Yeah, yeah. As as routed out as it is, I would expect it to weigh less. Yeah, I would expect this thing to be under four pounds with how much wood is missing. It's we'll describe it here. It's your standard Telecaster shape. Um, it's got a really funky pick guard on it. I don't understand what's going on there. Copper guard is what it says. Yeah, no, it's but it looks like, it like was, an old school style. It looks like someone cut it out with ten snips and then like hammered it. Like it looks really, yeah. it looks really rough. And it doesn't look shiny at all. It looks like a weird piece of brown leather or plastic or something like that. But then around the this core of the body, like the square of the body where the, the pickups and the bridge are, uh-huh. there's one, two, three, four, five holes routed out all the way through the body, leaving kind of like this structural shape. Yeah. Like beams in between the holes, like supporting the outside rim of the guitar. And I've seen this sort of thing done before, 
mm-hmm. and have it look attractive, but I don't think there's anything attractive about this. I, you know, I actually I thought this looked okay. I, I agree with you. The guard looks like it was done like in a rush. Um, I don't understand the weight comment. Just some cursory reading. It seems like, like, uh, you know, this isn't necessarily light. Um, most solid bodies, it seems like, um, are like more in the six to seven range. But again, this is missing a bunch of wood. It sounds like the neck and tuners are going to add like a pound and a half to it. So this is going to round out somewhere. I guess the question is when he says nice ash body, blah, 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 five plus pounds. Is that just the body or is that the body and everything else? So if, if it's just the body, then that's like kind of average to heavy. Um, if it's including all the hardware, like that's going to be okay. Um, because that's going to be, you know, say five and a half plus another one and a half. So you're looking at seven pounds. That's pretty light overall. I think I just feel like this is a sort of body chambering that you're not supposed to see. Like this might've been done professionally to, to lighten the body, to weight relief it. But then there's supposed to be like a top piece of wood over it and a bottom piece of wood behind it to cover it up, you know? Yeah. I just don't think it's an attractive look. You told me you were going to tell baked potato jokes. Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) I mean, it it says it's it's supposed to be a a loaded body, but if, you know, you ever seen a loaded baked potato, it's got extra stuff. It doesn't have less stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's my baked potato joke. All right. That's it. (laughs) Thanks for reminding me, Uh. Steve. Now, I think if Sad. I think if I had reminded myself, I would have built up to it a little bit more gracefully, but I didn't remind myself. <laughs> Whoa. Do you think there's anything that could be done to to save this guitar from its appearance? You gotta go full steampunk. Like is this a is this a guitar that like is from like a teen movie and it just needs to take off the glasses and let down its hair and then it's going to be ready to be prom queen? No, because all of the solutions that I have to making this guitar cool make it nerdier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, steampunk is definitely way nerdier. You could jam a crap, like a crap ton of gears down in there and just glue them all in. Oh, like I would wire, like wire in some, uh, some stuff, like wire in a, a little dial. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. Tune the, when you play the guitar, goes like you the could, thing moves. You could line the insides of each one of those cavities with LED lights. There you go. And have a light-up Telecaster that would look kind of bizarre. The thing, like, down at the butt end of it, it almost looks like it was trying to be a peace symbol. I think this concept could have been done a lot better. Peace. Like, they could... Someone tried something and... I think they looked at it and like, ah, this didn't turn out the way I wanted. Now I'm just going to sell it, you know? Cause there's yeah. something there. Like if there was, if it was carved out along the full body and then here's, here's what I would do. I mm-hmm. would call, carve out more along the body. If I was making this guitar, I would have more supports spread out more evenly. Right. And I would have the electronics mounted in a clear piece of plexi, so they look like they're floating in the hole, mm, you know? So cool. you're seeing, you're seeing a lot more weight relief, more like webbing in between the pieces of wood. Right. And then kind of a neat, like see-through thing. Well, I mean, on. there is kind of like an, a little bit of a imbalance here. You know, you, the upper telecasters don't have a true upper horn, but like right. the upper bout 
the the removed wood is taken basically all the way to the edge, but the lower horn is completely intact. Yeah, I would uh, I would remove more of that lo- into the lower horn for sure. Yeah, and I would remove wood in between the pickups as well. Mm. Like just keep going, like make this thing a one pound guitar. Right. Well, we'll we'll post pictures up in the in the uh, episode description. Go check it out. Let us know in the Facebook group what you think or on Instagram or wherever. I guess you you can also comment on Podbean episodes. We got a comment a while back on something. Yeah. It's like, you oh, you can comment, comment on there, but who, if you want if you use Podbean directly, nobody's comment gonna, through there, I guess. Nobody's gonna respond no to you. Yeah, no one's gonna see it, no one's gonna care. So maybe don't do that. <laughs> uh, all right. This next topic is brought to us uh was sent in by Jonathan Michael Diaz. He says uh with TC Electronics and Robert Keeley putting out all these amazing pedals, are we going to move to an oversaturation of companies putting out everything? It used to be most companies were known for one style of effects, and big companies like Boss were making everything. But now it seems that it's becoming a more common thing. And this was a topic that like people um, wanted us to talk about. Jason uh, Fuzzmonger in the group, he said... Um, just he was really the person who weighed in with like a thought that was kind of along my lines of thinking, which is that um, TC is closer to Boss than probably any other company out there right now. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if I completely agree with that, but I'd I, say I, can, like, I can definitely see that perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he says Keeley is like the high end Boss. JHS mm-hmm. and Earthquaker have a bit of everything too, and they're in the same market area. Wampler could be there, but Brian hates modulation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that definitely like sums up kind of the top of the market guys right now. Right. Um, I think we can tackle this just as being like, is the pedal market oversaturated? Is it getting close to that? And I was having thoughts about that the other day, uh, just in my alone thought time. This is thinking about the gear world, as I often do. And this is kind of the direction I ended up going. Uh-huh. There's more than enough pedals out there right now for everyone. Yeah. So does that mean that we're oversaturated? Like if everyone in the world stopped building pedals today, there's still too many pedals. Like, right. And is the, the, the demand is completely based on people wanting to try new stuff. Uh-huh. There's not a demand based on scarcity. So is that sustainable? Is it sustainable for people to want to keep trying new stuff? And I think that's always going to exist to a certain extent. But, you know, if those articles we keep seeing are true, the guitar is dead, guitar is dying. Guitar is not dead. Yeah. uh, What it really means is that, you know, guitar is going into a recession. There's a guitar recession (laughs) where it's not the, the forefront most thought about piece of music I, I anymore kinda, i kind of threw it out as a joke a little bit of a joke um there's this guy um Mat- his name is mateus asato uh-huh he gets a lot of love in different groups uh he's really good uh but somebody posted a picture of him uh there was a screen grab from a pop artist named jesse J from her like instagram uh-huh something or other and they posted we were like oh look who's look who it is it's like, yeah, like it doesn't matter that for the most part, like Jesse J's music is like overproduced, you know, pop, whatever, radio pop. 
Uh-huh. Like, there's still a guitar player somewhere. In, in yeah, the- yeah. I, guitar is still all over the place. It's just like right now, it's not like Eddie Van Halen times or, you know, yeah. what or Jimi Hendrix times where like uh, the guitarist is the forefront of the band and what the person everyone's thinking about. Exactly. Guitar is still here and tons and tons of people are still playing it. It's just, you know, it's just part of the band now. It's not this new sexy thing. But as you know, general interest in it drops and wanes away. I think we are going to see a pullback on the market a bit. Sure. Where there will be less, you know, less produced. But then my counter thought to that is that as far as building go, building effects goes, right. You know, the cat's out of the bag, the genie's out of the bottle, you know, anyone who can read a manual for a while and cares about this thing is building pedals now. That's what it feels like sometimes. And I mean, a lot it's of, been that way for a while. And a lot of these guys are not making a thousand pedals. Sure. A hundred pedals. There's, you know, there's a world out there of small builders who are making really no low numbers of pedals and doing it in their free time or doing it as a side gig. And that market is always going to provide for the people who buy just out of curiosity because they're the ones out there doing some weird experimenting, coming up with, you know, funky circuits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, TC and Boss and these bigger companies are experimenting with all the DSP stuff and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, I think with TC just releasing the smorgasbord of tone, um, there's kind of, I say just, like it was a while almost ago. Almost a year ago. Oh, was it really almost a year? Yeah. Um, it's October now, dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's this, uh, there was a feel that like, they're kind of like trying to get like a mass market. Yeah. Yeah. The, the attention of the mass market. Well, they're trying to fill um, shelves and mom and pop you know, shops I, and, you know, guitar center in that, in that budget range for the, right. The impulse buy, you know, at the same time, like I don't, I guess when I think of TC, I think, I still think of like delays and reverb. And sure. maybe that's just me being out of the loop a little on TC Electronic. Um, but so, you know, specifically the flashback and the Hall of Fame, sure. I can't think of like what their bigger name, like what their bigger product. Polytune. Um, well, I mean, like in terms of like a drive pedal, right, right. Like, what's what is TC's drive pedal? They have the Dark Matter. They have the Mojo Mojo. They have uh, shoot, I run out of them. I can't remember. There are four of them. They have the but, Mojo Mojo, the Dark Matter, the Spark Booster, and the Spark Mini Booster. Two of those are boosters, though. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. Like, I'm looking at their site right now. They've got the Ditto. They've got the Mini stuff. Um, but I don't know if they do a lot of modulations and stuff. Right, right. So all, all I'm saying is like I, I don't know if I would say that TC is on the same level as Boss. I think they're almost approaching it from two different directions. Where sure. Boss started out as an analog company, so they've always kind of had one foot in that camp. But TC is purely um, digital. It started is like started with digital, and you know they've ex- at least. I don't want to say they started with digital, but at least for their compact pedals, like yeah. they started largely with digital, and they kind of their drives have been analog. And I, I feel like Let's, I'm kind of like focusing yeah. too much on the argument itself. 
Um, let's let's backtrack for a second. The, the question is about market saturation. Right. Let, let, here's a thought experiment. What does full market saturation for guitar pedals look like? Does it, is that a description of there's so many pedals and there's just so much on like like on the used market that just no one's going to buy new anymore. So all the companies fold like, is that full saturation? I don't know if true full market saturation exists. Sure. Um, I mean, that's, it's, it's a mind experiment. It's theoretical. Sure. So I think, I think, is there, do you think there could be a point of saturation where, you know, calling of all like the mid to low level guys just get kicked out? Like the people who, are small builders, but they've become fully reliant on that as their income. You think that would be a mark of reasonable full saturation? I think the mark of reasonable full saturation is probably closer to what you were saying the first time, which is, you know, when you hit a point that I, well, so I think the real mark of, of saturation is when a company, any company puts out a new pedal and nobody like, and within six months, like that company has to pull the pedal off the market because nobody buys it, not because it's bad, but because nobody cares. Sure. So I think that's really what the real okay. market saturation is. And you know, they, the Keeley's mentioned here. I don't know Keeley's numbers. I could be a hundred percent off on this. I'm just going based on perception. Like the Bubbletron is a pedal that I see actually a lot of people talking about. The Red Dirt, like I don't see a lot of people talking about that. Mm-hmm. Here and there, maybe like I'm not saying that th- that is a pedal that he should pull off the market. I'm just saying that like I don't like that's you know that was them getting into a segment of the pedal market that is already fairly saturated, right? So, well, isn't the red dirt just isn't I don't want to say just, but isn't it a production of one of their mods to like a boss pedal or something like that? I don't remember exactly what the red dirt is. I just know, like, I know people who have it and they love it. Sure. And I know actually Keeley just put out um, a green version of the red dirt or for like some kind of deal. Is it still called the red dirt? Or yeah, is it called it's the still green called dirt? the red dirt. Okay. <laughs> um, it looks like the red dirt was originally like a modded blues driver. Okay. That makes sense. A, um, but then this this uh, their actual description said that the uh, makes it sound like the red dirt was based on a ton of modifications, but it was all started with um, Keeley's TS nine clones. Gotcha, or not clones, but mods. Yeah, mods. Sorry, mods. Well, you know, to, to be uh, to so be the, fair, that's how a lot of pedals start. Right. Is someone modding. You know, they open up a two screamer and they start clipping things and putting new things in. And they're like, ah, well, now I've got my own pedal here. Yeah. And, and so this is, this is again, like, I think there is a market for it because people are talking about it. But like, I'm saying the day that a company puts something out, a company that's fairly well known, maybe not the biggest, but like at least like somewhat well known. So JHS, Achille, I would even say going smaller, like a company like um, a Matthews effects or like a fuzzrocious they put something new out and literally like the entire market says eh i've already got this other thing sure like that's that's that and that's not a harder thing cares. to measure though it, sure it, it, well it is and it isn't uh I'll, i'm sh- i mean i'm, I'm looking sure at person, more like if I'm sure the saturated. person who built it like has those measurements because they know whether or not they sold sure, any but i think that can just happen randomly 
and not have it be a mark of market saturation. Like it could just be like it can be branding, it can be sure. marketing, it can be well, you and, know, and I guess uh, that's more like the de- demand for a single style of effect too. Like, right. like oh, if someone comes out with a you know like a wah pedal and people are like oh we well, already that's have what enough I mean is pedals. like you'd have to you'd have to in order to have complete market saturation, you're talking about all segments of the pedal market being oversaturated. But that's what I'm saying. And even then, like how difficult like really what you're talking about is builders building the same thing twice because pretty much any company that has any sort of following um has its diehard fans who sure they can literally like they could take a piece of of poop and put it in a pedal and somebody will buy it <laughs> You know, they don't uh, even have to put it in the pedal. It can be on the pedal, on the pedal, <laughs> around the pedal. Yeah, near. Who the, knows? Come with the pedal in its own container. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think oversaturation. The only way that happens where we have a truly oversaturated market, or at least a dangerously saturated, what I would call a dangerously saturated market from a business perspective. Is if if um, digital emulation hmm. gets to such a sophisticated point and such a quality point or affordability point? Well, it'd have to be quality and affordability point that there's just no demand for discrete effects anymore. Sure. So the only people left playing them are people who are like old school and don't want to change, or people who just like want that aesthetic. I mean, you think about the number of people we see in different groups that are like, yeah, so I listed my entire pedal board for sale this past week because I'm getting a Helix. Yeah. So we'll be back, though. <laughs> people, they, it's part of the cycle. People get... It, it is a cycle. <laughs> I, don't, I don't disagree with you on that, but uh-huh. I'm saying like eventually... Sure, sure. Like you could have a scenario where people are like, I, can, I, I could buy this one pedal for $200 or $150 or whatever. Yeah. Or I could buy, you know, this piece of software for $100 and plug in this ultra low latency USB cable to my guitar, run it through my computer and the software comes preloaded with, you know, 200 different effects and additional yeah. packages are like packs of 50 effects for $50 a piece or whatever. So, you know, I don't think we're ever going to see a full replacement of of Ryan. Single this is, this unit. is just a mind experiment. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the last ad. If you guys want to continue the debate on this, jump on the group. I'm really pushing the group this episode. I know, weirdo. Guys, get on, just get on that group. Just get on it's the not like group. our group is in trouble and we need fresh Son blood or anything like that. It's actually been growing way yeah, faster than I'm comfortable it's with. Kind of crazy. Also, we've had a big bump in our our stats on yes, the episodes. Welcome. welcome to the, welcome to the show, new listeners. Watch, like this I, is the lowest lowest listen yeah. to episode. Of I don't time. know where all these new listens are coming from, but I, I welcome them. All right, uh, this was sent in by West Little. This is banjo box free. Anyone want this box? <laughs> if it's a standard banjo case. This is a recording king box for a banjo. Um, he kind of he asked a question with this. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, West wants to know. Well, you know, uh, I think he just kind of wanted to know, like, what is up with this? Yeah, what is it? Does anyone want this box? Yeah, he says, uh, not entirely sure why this is a thing. 
Do people put cases into boxes? I suppose if you're selling your banjo, maybe I'm glad it's free, nevertheless. And that is what I do agree with. Is is uh, yes, I'm glad. I am also glad it's free because if you bought this uh, this, if you bought this uh, with a banjo inside of it, then you paid for the banjo and you just happen to have the box. Um, but I will say, like, so when I shipped that guitar recently, I went to FedEx, uh, which made it super expensive. Apparently. Whether or not FedEx or UPS is cheaper is like completely dependent on like locate service locations. Oh, really? Yeah, it's so. Anyway, um, so I paid a lot more than I expected, but whether or not it was a bad price, I, I never bothered to figure out. But in FedEx, they actually have a box that uh, is the standard guitar acoustic guitar shipping box, um, and. Uh, which is crazy to me that they have a box just for guitars. It is, but at the same time, like, um, hey, good for them. Because, yeah, good for them. Because uh, finding, like, if I wasn't, if I didn't get a box from you, I would have been kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, I just, um, I, I spit it out, it, man. Yeah, I don't know. I was surprised to see it in there. I think they're like ten or twelve dollars a piece. Sheesh. For these boxes. So you get a so, free box and that covers covers some extra costs. Yeah. I mean, people who are shipping guitars are always looking for boxes. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if the banjo box is the same dimensions as a guitar box. It looks like it's big enough. Banjos and guitars are kind of the same. I can't tell just from this picture because it does look... Yeah. It looks large to me. Also, I mean, if I even if I didn't play guitar, even if I didn't ship guitars... If I saw this pop up in my neighborhood, I'd go get it because I, I got a toddler. <laughs> and that's yeah. like that's like a free entertainment for a toddler for at least like three or four days. So the box is – oh, sorry. The box is $20. Sheesh. So that is a lot. And it is actually called Guitar Box. Well, when you flip that pedal, uh, remember my cut. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it is a uh, – it is a. there's a bunch of specialty boxes. There's also a bike box. A box just for bikes? There's a golf bag box. There is a golf club tube. And they think of everything. Uh, there's a tablet box. There's a small electronics bike. There's all kinds of flat panel TV box. Fits TVs up to 55 inches. Uh, there's just all kinds of like weird. Well, there's a wardrobe box. You can fit a... It's got a, it's got a tube in the top to hang your shirts from. What? FedEx is in the business of making boxes. This is crazy. Apparently so. I love that all the shirts in there look like they're like Hawaiian shirts yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> you could have brought home all your Hawaii shirts. I, know. I didn't buy any when I was there, believe Peter. it or not. I didn't have a lot of time to do shopping. I was in the water so much. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, free is a great price on a box if you're looking to ship. You need boxes. If you're buying and selling, trading, fixing, and whatever with your reviewing. guitars. Reviewing, playing guitar podcasting with your guitars, <laughs> then you need boxes. Like every time I sell a pedal, I'm like, honey, where did I put all my boxes that Amazon yeah. sent me? <laughs> you know, bags are the way to go. A lot of time yep. though. I'm a big, big into the bags, I'm super into bags. I yeah. have, you get those you free know, bags from the post post office. Jeez. I still need to make my video. You use like two or three of them for padding and then you stick them inside yep. the one bag. It's all free. It's I'll awesome. make a video one of these days. It's like I'm seven bucks to it. ship with those or something. Yeah. 
It's, it's great. So I, yeah, something like I'm that. I'm a big bag we'll say boy. say something like that. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. If you made it this far through all of our nonsense, especially this was an extra nonsense kind of a Yeah, week. super nonsensey. Uh, thank you, Sinusoid, uh, for supporting the show. Uh, go check out sinusoid.com. And again, if you're looking for a way to uh, support efforts uh, to, for these various re- hurricane relief groups, mm-hmm. uh, they are doing the Houston Cable, uh, I believe. I don't know how long they're doing it. Uh, but I, again, I know I bought one. Yeah. I mean, every time, week. every time from now on, I mean, you got a hundred year guarantee on that cable. Yeah. Uh, every time from now on that Houston is in the news for doing something great, you get to look down at your cable and be like, yeah, I helped them. It's like a it's like when you buy one share from a company. Exactly. Like a symbolic share. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I helped those guys. Get back on their feet. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, Houston. <laughs> like if you ever tour with your band through Houston and you got that cable, everyone in the audience is going to see you and they're going to know. And like, they're going to like pound their chest and like, yeah. nod their head at you. Yeah, you're going to get like three extra bras thrown at you that night, <sighs> or that's, not because you know that's like double the bras of normal. <laughs> bras are expensive. I don't think they really are. Ladies should be throwing their bras out on. Just stages. <sighs> All right. This uh this episode was or this uh week's song was brought to you to us, to somebody. Our old friend. From our friend Kenny Gregg. Um uh you can check it out. You can check out more of his music at kennygregmusic.bandcamp.com. He's on Instagram and Twitter. His handle is at tellkenny, T-E-L-L Kenny. And he says he's available for weddings and bar mitzvahs. To get married or to be bar mitzvahed? Is that what he's available to do? I think for to perform. To perform the marriage? Like to perform the music. Oh, uh, that does make so more sense. So this song is called Conf- Conform Nation. And I uh, hope you love it. It I'm, sounds like it's going to get super political. Yeah. We haven't listened to it yet, so we don't no. know what we're in for. I'm, I'm sure it's great, though. Yep. Okay, bye. Later, guys. <laughs>
nation was founded by men of many nations and backgrounds. It was founded on the principle that all men are created equal, and that the rights of every man are diminished when the rights of one man are threatened. Today we are committed to a worldwide struggle to promote and protect the rights of all who wish to be free. Racism and retard, this right is one. Let 